0: It's time for Clemson Sports Talk with Lawton Swan. Ready, sir! Just call me Swanee. Clemson Sports Talk has come back to Drive Time. Hello, everybody. Lawton Swan back in the saddle. Once again, it is the show that shakes the Southland. Clemson Sports Talk for you each and every afternoon as you make your way around the great state of South Carolina and beyond, listening to us on spectacular radio stations like Fox Sports Radio 1400 in the Midlands. Sports Radio 100.1, the fan in Florence 9:20 a.m in Manning. Thank you for being a part of this show. Thank you for supporting our website. And thank you most importantly for uh, just backing this program and, and you know having my back for so many years. Uh, there's a lot, a lot going on in our world, a lot going on in our hearts. A lot going on for so many individuals out there, and today is it has been a it's been it's been a tough week. It's been a tough year. <laughs> some some even point back to LSU winning the national title as the tipping point of this uh, twenty twenty year with the COVID nineteen and the tragic loss of Kobe Bryant. Uh, the death of of George Floyd, and now the protests across the country, uh, the looting and and rioting that have accompanied that. Sadly, uh, in a lot of areas, people are hurt. Um, people are people feel bad, and I I've tried the past two days to be as open and honest as I can about what I hear from my friends of color who deal with things that I can't fathom on a regular basis. And it makes me sad. It makes me sad that whether they be former athletes or somebody just working in the community, that things aren't equitable, things aren't equal, and no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we've tried, no matter how great our nation is, we still... Have peers among us. Whether that's your co-worker. Whether that's somebody you went to school with. Who deal with unimaginable things. Every day. And I've encouraged people. If. If you. If you call someone listen to them hear them because life especially when you have kids you realize life really isn't about you and and we, you you can't live in your rearview mirror you have to always look forward. I thought, and I said yesterday, that the statements that Dabo Sweeney made were, were very difficult for Dabo Sweeney to make. Because perspective from where you come from, from what you experience... To try to wrap that into a ball and say, okay, this is what it must be like for someone else, it's impossible. It is absolutely impossible. And if Sweeney does or doesn't speak out, he's gonna he would have been vilified for it. One way or the other. It's a catch twenty two. But like I said yesterday, being brave enough to open a microphone and say what you think and you feel opens you up to a great deal more criticism than a cleanly prepared piece for social media. And I know there's been a lot going on in Clemson. From the story that came out, thanks to the state newspapers, Matt Connolly talking about Danny Pierman and uh, Pierman's comments that were made to DJ Greenlee at a practice using a racial slur. That all came to light from Canyon Tuttle, who is the son of Clemson legend Perry Tuttle, on social media. And the thing that Canyon tweeted... Based on what we've heard from DJ Greenlee and and Danny Pierman about it, the first thing I can say, and I feel very confident saying this, Canyon Tuttle's tweet, which he has every right to make, which no one is vilifying him for for bringing this up. Now, some people say, oh, well, what about the timing, right? You hear a lot of that from people. But scratch that, that, that's neither here nor there. But, you know, in Canyon Tuttle's initial tweet, he said that Dabo Sweeney essentially allowed a coach to call a player the M-word. We since know, based on Greenlee's conversation and uh, then Pierman's comments on the subject, that that wasn't the case. That what happened was Danny Pierman overheard a player use the M-word. And again, Greenlee, this is something else that you may not recognize about this. So Greenlee's father is Larry Greenlee. He's on the staff. He's a strength and conditioning coach uh, on the staff. And so you've got that tie being a part of this storyline as well. You know, the, the family relationship between the coaches who are very tight and Danny Pierman's been at Clemson since 19, uh, Excuse me, since 2008. Uh, at that time, uh, DJ Greenlee would have been about 13 or so. So he's he's maybe known him longer than that, but certainly known him since he was a teenager. And they have a zero-tolerance policy, as I understand it, uh, for the use of the M-word on the field of play at Clemson practice facilities, etc. And so, according to what Danny Pierman's Message was, uh, he said, three years ago on the practice field, I made a grave mistake involving DJ Greenlee. I repeated a racial slur that I overheard when trying to stop the word from being used on the practice field. What I overheard, I had no right to repeat. He went on to say that while I did not direct the term at any player, I know there is no excuse for me using the language in any circumstance. I never should have repeated the phrase, it was wrong when I said it, and it is wrong today. Pierman went on to say that I apologized to DJ at the conclusion of practice, who then appropriately raised his concerns to Coach Sweeney. Coach and I met to discuss the incident and he reiterated that my language was unacceptable. I later apologized again as well as expressed my sincere regret to our position group that following day. He said, I love the young men who choose to come to our university and I would never do anything to intentionally hurt them. I sincerely apologized to DJ his family, our team, and our staff. Greenley Greenley went on to tell the state newspaper that uh, he knew, speaking of Coach Pierman, that he was in the wrong and that you, quote, can't hold a grudge against someone forever. And Greenley's absolutely right. You you can't hold a grudge against someone forever. You shouldn't. Hold a grudge against someone forever, and when we take a moment to examine everything that's going on here, all of it, players coming forward and saying that um, you know in support of Coach Dabo Sweeney, et cetera, et cetera, it is a uncomfortable uh, an uncomfortable topic. But Brent Venables said something a long time ago, and. I saw it in several articles talking about this and and facing what we're dealing with today. Uh, Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I'm trying to do that. And I'm sad that others can't. I'm sad that other people who I know have goodness in their heart can't for one second be comfortable With being uncomfortable. But I want everybody. Who hears my voice today. To know that I am trying. To put myself in a situation. Where I am uncomfortable. Because I know it is the right thing to do. And I'm only uncomfortable with it. Because I recognize. That the the fight is one in which many people, many people, struggle with on a day-to-day basis. I don't even like talking about this topic today, and it has nothing to do with me, because I know about the uncomfortable nature and the feelings that so many of you have, regardless of the color of your skin, when it comes down to these things. Danny Pierman was certainly wrong. Is there a better way? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, you pull DJ Greenlee to the side and say, "Hey DJ, look man, we we don't use, you know, the M word of practice. Maybe you run him. You know, maybe you have him run lap, whatever the circumstances are. This is not something that we do. You know, But to use that term to come back at him, to try to show him that the reasons why it's not appropriately used there or should not be used in that circumstance does not go over well. And I think, again, out of this whole thing, Canyon Tuttle's initial tweet missed the mark on what happened. The use of the word absolutely reprehensible. But it's hard because we are in a climate today, unlike really any we've ever seen, I think part of that being how how much we've been separated for so long, thanks in part to the COVID nineteen. But then now with the storylines that are beginning to, to come out and surround these issues, and I thought Tom Herman. Uh, head coach at Texas had some unique things to say today as well about the double standard that he sees that fans have uh, for black athletes. And this was in an interview with the American Statesman. And this is, these are some points I've tried to make today. Tom Herman said, I will never know. You will never know. None of us will never know what it's like to have that genuine fear That when I make an illegal U-turn, I get pulled over. I fear what the cost of the ticket is going to be. I don't fear that I'm going to get dragged out of my car and maybe killed because of something I said or did. And that's real for them, speaking of his black players, his black student-athletes. Herman went on to say that we're going to pack 100,000 people into the stadium and millions watch on TV that are predominantly white. Not all of them, certainly, but most of them. And we're going to cheer when they score touchdowns, and we're going to hug our buddy when they get sacks or interceptions. But we're going to let them date our daughter? Are we going to hire them in a position of power in our company? That's the question I have for America. You can't have it both ways. The words of Tom Herman, head coach at Texas Get comfortable with being uncomfortable, be a difference maker. Start uniting, stop dividing. It is a tough, tough time. And again, I, I love each and every one of you. I don't care if you are black, white, yellow, green, purple, blue, or violet. I love you. And I want you to know that. I was on a podcast recently with a good buddy of mine. And we were talking about, uh, you know, those types of things, and how a lot of times men aren't willing to express how they feel uh, to other men. And I, you know, I told him this is a guy I I truly love. I mean, he's a great guy, just a great human being. And I said, you know, it's amazing that on the gridiron we're we're okay if if guys hug and say, "Man, I love you. Thanks for helping me get to the top." But you go out in public and try to do that there's a lot of criticism for it but you know what i i can't i'm not going to live forever right i'm 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 43 i'm not going to live to 143 and i never know i lost a good friend several months ago tragically out of the blue and when i think back to the years that i let slip by in in this town, he lived in this town, and for years, I didn't go see him, I didn't call him, I didn't text him, and then and and I look back, I did not have an infinite amount of time. You do not have an infinite amount of time. If you've been, if it's been heavy on your heart, if you've been thinking about somebody, if you've been wanting to call somebody, and tell them that you love them. Do it. Make a difference. Our lives are but a blip on the eternal radar. I'm done. Absolutely done. With not being a better human being. I think I've done a good job. I could do better. And I want you to consider the same. Find it in your heart to look at the humanitarian side of life in our blip of existence and make a difference. Be charitable, be giving, be conscientious that other people, that their lives are different than yours. Some better, some worse. It's like marriage, man, for richer, for poor, in sickness, some in health, but recognize that. Let's stop being so me-centric and be like parents. Like that shift to your children. And the day my son was born. Was the first time in my life. That I realized this thing is not about me. And it's hard because sometimes there are uncomfortable topics that we have to talk about. I think the majority of us, if we could snap our fingers and make things perfect for everyone, I think we would. The problem is we can't. So do what you can to take the steps towards making that snap. And if in your blip of a life on this radar, we don't get to where we're going, at least you are a part of the solution and not part of the problem. I don't have all the answers. If you tuned in for Alex Trebek, I don't have all the answers. But I am not willing to stop seeking the great questions to help create a better society, not just a society in the United States of America, but a better global society. Humanitarian society humans. That's what I'm about. We hit a break. We come back. Stay with us here on the show that shakes the Southland. It is the show that shakes the Southland Clemson Sports Talk on a Wednesday. Lawton Swan hanging out with you here. And again, the website ClemsonSportsTalk.com. Again, that's a tough subject, man. And and uh, I, I, I'm really heartbroken uh, in a lot of respects. Uh, I really am. I think that, uh, you know, trying to... Wrap your mind around all of this, man. You talk about uh, a time when we need sports. You certainly use it. The good news is the NBA uh, looks like they're going to approve a plan for a 22-game return with eight regular season games. 22 teams. I I think I may have uh, misspoke. I don't know if I said teams or not, but... Uh, the Board of Governors intends to approve a league proposal on a 22-game team format to restart the season in Orlando, Florida, sources told ESPN. The conference call is set to vote uh, coming up tomorrow. Commissioner Adam Silver and the league's advisory and finance committee have shared broad details. They will play at Walt Disney World, as we had previously heard at the Walt Disney World Resort Complex. The plan includes 13 Western Conference teams, 9 Eastern Conference teams. Uh, Eight regular season games, possibly a play-in tournament for the eighth seed and the playoffs. So uh, going to a sort of a tournament format, if you will, uh, to get there. The top 16 teams in the Eastern and Western Conferences will be joined by the teams currently within six games of eighth place in the two conferences. New Orleans, Portland, San Antonio, Sacramento, Phoenix, and Washington, uh, I guess, are those six teams or those teams that are uh, in the uh, six games of eighth place. The playing tournament will include the eight and nine teams. If the ninth seed finishes the regular season within four games of the eighth seed, uh, in that case, the eighth seed enters a double elimination tournament with the nine seed. Uh, so, you know, it's again, it's going to be a weird format, strange new life of NBA basketball. I'm assuming I don't, I don't know enough about the complex, um, you know, whether or not there are a ton of, you know, whether whether there are a ton of facilities there or how many buildings uh, they've got to, to be able to run this, but it feels like, you know, it's going to, you know how the NCAA tournament feels from the standpoint of a lot of times the arenas have the same floor and the same look. It's kind of, what do you call it? What do you call that? Um, oh, man. San... Sanitary? Is that the right? I I don't know if that's the the exact terminology that you would have, but remember, in the old days of the NCAA tournament, this is what I used to like about it. In the old days of the NCAA tournament, you might recall that the venues all had their own unique look. And then at some point in the past five, six, seven years, in the past five, six, seven years, uh, these individuals... At these sites decided whoever the NCAA, I guess or the March Madness tournament people um decided to make all the courts kind of look the same so when when you had it on True TV you had it on TBS TNT and CBS when these games are broadcast everywhere uh you could flip the channel and and you couldn't tell the difference in the two teams as a matter of fact there was a game I want, I'm I'm going to just I'm going to guess let me see who did uh when Clemson played Kansas in basketball a couple of years ago, who was in the game prior to that? I know Clemson played Auburn, but I'm trying to think who Kansas had played to advance to the Sweet Sixteen. I, I honestly can't remember, and quite frankly, it could be the wrong game because you know a lot of times those team those those tournaments now have different sites at, at different venues or, or whatever. Uh, let me see if I can explain that the right way. Like They'll have part of one regional and another regional might be playing in the same venue. So it may not have been. But what I, what I do recall, and I tweeted this at the time, a photo of Clemson and, and Auburn playing. And then the game that came on right after that, the two teams looked exactly like Clemson and Auburn. I, I can't remember if maybe... Maybe Kansas had played, dog, did they play Syracuse? That that might make sense because Kansas may have been wearing all white and Syracuse could have been wearing all orange. But I remember I took a picture. I'm like, whoa, this looks exactly like Clemson and, and Auburn. And it literally did because the courts were the same. And for that matter, it could have been in a different venue for all I remember. Because like, like you know, now that I'm really thinking about it, it may have been another game on another channel. And the, the combatants were wearing the same uniforms. It's kind of like when Alabama, I think it was in 2015, played Florida, I believe, in the SEC Championship. You go back and find the photo of that game. Where Auburn was wearing orange helmet, or excuse me, where Florida was wearing orange helmets, orange pants, and orange tops. Okay, at that point, at that point, against Alabama, they looked exactly like the Clemson team that Alabama (laughs) faced uh, in that national championship out in Arizona. Orange pants, orange shirts, orange tops, orange helmets. I mean, a photo from the SEC championship game in that season. Throw it in your Google machine. Florida, Alabama, I guess that would have been considered the 2015 SEC championship. Throw it in your Google machine, and then throw in an image of all – Alabama and Clemson in the national championship. Alabama and Florida in the SEC championship, then Alabama and Clemson in the national championship. And you're going to see, you are going to see photos that look like the same game taking place, essentially. I mean, it's that close. Well, that's what happened. These venues all look the same. So I imagine that with the NBA's new season, (laughs) <laughs> if you could call that, using that term loosely, uh, the season is going to be very sanitized. It's going to look very similar in every arena. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they will be... I didn't see anything specifically uh, about fans. Uh, it just says they will give fans plenty to watch. I don't see anything about fans being in the uh, building for this play-in tournament. Uh, so it might also be sanitized from that nature. If you've tried to watch any... Sporting events minus the fans lately. It's very difficult. Very difficult. 803-450-0086. 803-450-0086. That's the text line. You can also call it and leave us a message. And again, the NBA getting closer. And again, if you're a fan of college sports, that is absolutely a big deal as we look to get back on the sports well, the front, past two months are. It is the show that shakes the Southland. Clemson sports taught Lawton Swan on a. Wednesday trash cans are out (laughs) that's what it's like that's what it's like man I told you I told you that's how I have to keep up with it now the trash can's out all right it's Wednesday midweek I know what's going on according to the bleacher report some news just coming out uh, across the dial and this involves two pretty big names in sports LeBron James and uh Drew Brees, LeBron James apparently did not appreciate Drew Brees' comments earlier today about protests during the National Anthem Um, it comes after Brees said he wouldn't support anyone kneeling during the National Anthem because he believes it's disrespectful Uh, LeBron's response was wow man, is it still surprising at this point? Sure isn't you literally still don't understand why Kaepernick was kneeling on one knee has absolutely nothing to do with disrespect to the flag and our soldiers, men and women Uh, who keep this land free. My father-in-law was one of those. Uh, So one of those men who fought as well for this country, I ask him a question about it and thank him all the time for his commitment. He never found Kaepernick's peaceful protest offensive because he and I both know what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. God bless you. That's what LeBron James said in a post to uh, Drew Brees. That news coming out uh, a little bit earlier uh, today, actually just coming across the dial a few moments ago so even star athletes again uh, the conversations that we had out of the gate get comfortable with being uncomfortable seems like it's, it's something that we've we all are gonna have to keep in our our mind's eye as we move forward and try to you know be better as uh, individuals human beings and um, to sports figures huge hall of famers in two different sports. Uh you know right there going head to head on that front. So and, and I'm sure people will choose their sides in that standpoint. 803-450-00 86 803 450 86 again the uh biggest news out of the sports front, uh the NBA's 22 game restart that will be taking place. Apparently they're going to approve that proposal and I'm, I'm sure we'll really have some great insight into what that might look like uh, over the next day or two. And again, we kind of gave you a bit of a rundown for it, as confusing as it is, uh, but I can't wait to kind of see what the schedule looks like and and you know, what it could mean for what teams to make it into the playoffs and ultimately uh, how it all you know, how it all boils it boils down at the end. But 22 teams apparently going to be involved. I, I can't remember. I honestly can't recall if I keep saying 22 teams or 22 games. I apologize if I keep saying 22 games. I don't know that based on what I have here that I know how many games it would actually be. But it would be 22 teams uh, in the NBA, who gets the who who gets a chance to play? Very, very tough to get that out of my head because I feel like you got a certain amount of games that you're going to have to play. But I guess it really all depends on uh, how they, you know, the calendar of events, so to speak, that they put together. I didn't even see a timeline. And if you do, if you do know the timeline, I mean, is it going to take them a month, two months? Um I mean that's something to know like how how much TV are we going to have? 22 teams. That's you know if they all played every day that's 11 games, I know they're not going to all play every day, but if it's you know so I mean from a grand scheme how many games are we going to actually see? It's something to something to ponder. Something to ponder because when it goes away you know, you know, Major League Baseball still sort of out there trying to figure out the way they're going to make it work. But once it, you know, once it kind of goes away, how do you? <laughs> what do you? What do you focus on? And and do you? Ill, does it? Illegitimize if LeBron James and the Lakers win a title in a season that was not only shortened but allowed for maybe an older LeBron James to get fresh legs. I mean, from his standpoint, man, you got to be digging it. If you're LeBron James in the Lakers, you got to you got to really be digging it because here's a guy that's 35 years old. He's got, God, countless numbers of seasons in the league. What, like sixteen or more? I can't remember how many, how many years LeBron James has played now. But you're talking about a guy who, yeah, so about sixteen years. Let's say came in the league in 2003, so sixteen or seventeen seasons that he's been in the league. So we're talking about a guy that's, you know, got some wear and tear, obviously, and you know to go from being at the top of the conference or the top of the league and possibly wearing down a um, back on March 11th, April, May, June, a little 3 month hiatus for LeBron James has to help a guy at his age. On top of that, I think the other question that we have to ask is Assuming the NBA kicks things off, let's just pick a, a, a date. I didn't see a specific date, but let's say that it kicks off in two weeks. Let's say that it starts on June the 17th, so they give these guys a chance to get back up to speed. If it kicks off June 17th, and if it takes a month to finish up, that takes you to July 17th. If it takes you the two months to finish up, that takes you to August 17th. The NBA season can't turn around, in my estimation, and start in the fall like it normally does either. So what you could be looking at are two consecutive shortened seasons. That would be my hunch when it comes down to the NBA. You would have a shortened season this year, and then maybe next year you don't kick off the nba season until january or maybe even you let college football end and kick it off in mid january just some thoughts about you know the direction that this thing could ultimately go uh, not just for the remainder of this season but next season as well 86. Clemson Sports Talk here on a Wednesday. The show that shakes the Southland. Your website, com. Go check it out. Hang out with a sixty three seventeen. That's your price for one year. A premium coverage. More digital content than any other site covering your Tigers. 18 cents a day. That includes all the podcasts. That includes all the videos. That includes uh, all of the fantastic stories and coverage from our team that's on the scene in Clemson, recruiting insight and interviews. And all we're doing is growing, man, every day. I mean, that's what we're doing every single day, getting a little bit bigger, shining a little bit brighter, and uh, we can do so much more with you uh, there to help us as well. 803-450-0086. Got a little shout-out to make here on the program today uh, to Chris, who is a listener out in California he uh, dropped us a line recently. He said, "I heard you say that you might have lived at Johnstone F." He said he spent three years in F one back in the late eighties when uh, it was the soccer hall. He said that place breeded the largest cockroaches ever. Great time in Johnstone. So, and I may have mentioned Chris the other day. It's funny, Chris. I it, sometimes I'll read a post like on my phone, and then I'll remember that. Oh yeah, I got to get back to that, but then sometimes when I'm reading it on the air, I think, did I read that on the air already? If I did, Chris, no worries, buddy. A little extra, a little extra love for you there. Uh, if not, then great. I'm glad I got it on there. Uh, but he said that Johnstone, hey, uh, his son, stayed in there as a freshman. It still smelled the same as it did back in the 1980s. Well, and you know, thinking about Johnstone and all those stories that we we've talked about here for many years and sharing those experiences. Uh, 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 One of my good buddies, Doug may recall this one, but you know, they had something called the annex, like the F annex. I don't know. I don't think there was any other annex. Cause E didn't have an annex, but F had something called the annex. And those were slightly newer rooms that had been added on to Johnstone Hall. And so, You know, the hallways throughout Johnstone back in 1995 were the very low pile carpet fabric. Very low. uh, Let me tell you, you've not lived until you've ridden a bicycle on low pile carpet. And I didn't do that at college. I did that at the high school when my dad was the principal. (laughs) Over the summers, man. I'd buzz around the high school on a BMX bike. (laughs) Nothing like smooth sailing on some low pile carpet. But the annex... Did not have low pile carpet. It had what would amount to looking like marble. I know it wasn't marble (laughs) because it certainly would not have been that expensive, but it was not like linoleum floors at your house. I mean, it was a harder type material I, I I don't know what I, I'm not in the flooring business so I'm not sure what it wasn't concrete maybe it was some kind of finished concrete but it was definitely slick to the surface and so these guys one 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 either weekend or a friday night put bubble soap, put, put washing detergent or whatever you call it, uh you know liquid soap on the ground in that hall and either got buckets of water to wet it down or hosed it down. I have no clue how we got to the the juncture that we reached where there was literally a slip and slide. Dangerous perhaps hard hard I mean hard floors the the door jams that you could possibly run into. And guys would run and slide on those things and you talk about slick buddy they were sliding all over the place and i remember thinking i never got into that stuff i might i might watch it from afar but i never i was always a little bit too conscientious of being injured (laughs) how'd you break your arm son dad you're not gonna believe this we lathered up the hallway got it nice and slick (laughs) i was sliding up the hall uh in my my bathing suit and broke my arm. No, I didn't do any of that, but I saw it. I saw it. And I only heard tale of this prank. I never saw this take place. But in Johnstone, maybe because of the fire code, the doors, at least on my hall, opened in. Would you go, what do you mean the fire code opened in They need to open out so you don't get pinned in if there's a mad rush. But really, I think it was more about making sure that your door didn't open up into somebody walking by or somebody else trying to get out. So they opened in. The, the doors opened in. And there, there was always tale of people filling up like a big 55-gallon drum of water and leaning it up against your door and then knocking. Well, of course, if those doors open in, you... <laughs> And you answered that 55-gallon drum knock? Oh, dear. You're talking about a ton of water in your room. I don't know if that would have been four inches deep, three inches deep. I honestly don't even know if that was just an urban legend that people would tell. I can say I survived three years in Johnstone. Never once did I deal with the 55-gallon drum knock. And uh, I did, however, witness the slip and slide. And it was was good times. And some of you are back there going, Swanee, I was there, man. (laughs) I remember it well. We also had in our dorms back then, you had to build your loft. And my brother-in-law was really good at construction-type projects like that. So he built us a nice loft, double loft. And one thing we would do is anytime you bumped your head, man, we kept Sharpie markers. You had to write your name where you bumped your head, but it was littered with names and dates of people that knocked their noggins up in Johnstone <laughs> F-327 and uh, F-119. Uh, those were uh, the unbelievable days, man. I mean, during this downtime, I've enjoyed some days just kind of sitting back with you guys here on the show and talked about those great memories from yesteryear. 803-450-0086. It is the show that shakes the Southland. Clemson Sports Talk for you on a Wednesday afternoon. Stay with us. We hit a quick break again on Twitter at Clemson Sports. We come back with more of the more coverage of your Clemson Tigers right here on the show that shakes the Southland. Against Alabama, they looked exactly like. It's time. Sports Talk with Lawton Swan. Ready, just call me Swanny. Tigers time. Tigers time. Tiger It is our <laughs> number two. That's drive time right here on show, the show that shakes us out. Lawton Swan with you along for the ride, getting you home, getting you where you are and when you are. Podcast editions of the show always available for you. The website, clubsysportstalk.com. Appreciate everybody in the Midlands listening to us on Fox Sports Radio 1400. That's on the iHeartRadio app. Everybody in the PD on Sports Radio 100.1, the fan, that's on the iHeartRadio app. And everybody in on 920 AM in Manning, the Midlands, the PD, and the Lowcountry, it is the show that shakes the Southland. And again, I'm just thankful to be here to talk with you earlier in the show. We already dove into the topic of conversation surrounding Former Clemson Tiger football player DJ Greenlee, former Clemson Tiger player Canyon Tuttle's tweet that uh, a Clemson coach used a racial slur to call a uh, DJ Greenlee. We didn't mention DJ's name, but that since come to light. Uh, a racial slur. Greenlee saying otherwise, that that's not what happened, but that uh, the N-word was used. You can read about that over on... ClemsonSportsTalk.com and Danny Pierman has since issued an an apology. It is also mentioned uh, in that article. And again, we talked about uh, the NBA season getting set to get ready to kick back up. And also, on top of that, uh, the fact that there are other coaches out there, including Tom Herman, who have come forward and made some pretty poignant statements on the circumstances that we are currently dealing with here in the United States of America. Now, out of the state of Tennessee today, legendary Tennessee football coach and also played at Tennessee, uh, Johnny Majors passed away today at the age of 85. According to Lynn Mary Majors, his wife, who had been married to him for 61 years, she said it is with a sad heart that we make this announcement. John passed away this morning. He spent his last hours doing something he dearly loved, looking out over his cherished Tennessee River. And so Majors, who was also uh, at Pittsburgh back in the 1970s, when uh, I believe at that time he would have been, uh, I think at one point along the way, Majors left there after winning a national title. I'm trying to get the timeline on. Jackie Sherrill's years at at Pitt and how they crossed over with Johnny Majors off the top of my head. I need to look. I I can't remember, but Johnny Majors, not the first major name uh, in college football to pass away uh, this week. I don't know if you uh, saw this, but Auburn legendary head coach Pat Dye uh, also passed away repeatedly. Passed away recently, and reportedly uh, will be buried under a tree he grew from cutting from a cutting of the famous Tumors Corner tree, uh, according to reports that are out there. Uh, Pat Dye passed away two days ago on June the first. Uh, he was, I, I believe, eighty years old at the time of his passing. So Pat Dye, legendary Auburn football coach. So the SEC losing a couple of legends over the past couple of days uh, from the coaching ranks of yesteryear as Johnny Major is passing away today and Pat Dye passing away just a couple of days ago. Pat Dye's son, Pat Dye Jr. said on behalf of our family, I want to thank all of the people from around the country who have offered their support and admiration for dad these past several days. And so, you know, uh, one of the things that's kind of been out there in terms of sports sadly because of the lack of live and actual sports one of the things that we've I think felt a little bit more is the loss of so many of these individuals uh, who maybe on a bigger news cycle perhaps on a bigger news cycle they are overwritten rather quickly. But now, with not a lot going on, uh, some of these losses seem to be so much more, not necessarily prominent, but covered because news outlets are reaching for things to talk about and these guys were legends. So in some respects, I think it's a positive that there's more coverage for the people than there traditionally would be. I mean, if if your name is not Kobe Bryant... When you pass away, and maybe you haven't had an impact on the sport in many, many years, your passing can be glossed over with a quick drop of a graphic at the end of SportsCenter that has the dates you were born and died. Well, with a, a, with a lack of news to talk about, at least some of these legendary figures are getting a little more time for people to be able to reminisce and reflect and celebrate and discuss their lives and what they meant to the sport. And even even a show like this, even a show like Clemson Sports Talk, where we probably would have just said, oh, here you go, folks, Johnny Majors passed away, significant impact. Even a show like this gets more time to really reflect. And think about, you know, what these guys meant to sports, what these guys meant to their communities. And uh, over the long haul, when people look back on their careers, what they, you know, what they meant to college football. And shaping what it eventually became in different towns uh, in the same conference from the standpoint of these two individuals. But, yeah, I did see that news. And I'll be honest. You know, I thought about this when it happened. I didn't think to check it at the time, but you do know that if you've been following this show long enough, there is the whole fake NCAA 2014 coaching adventures of Coach Duggs, who is a (laughs) fictional character that is now a social media account that has nearly 50,000 followers, who is fictionally the head coach of Tennessee Volunteers right now. I wondered if there would be any tweets about the passing of uh, Johnny Majors from Coach Doug's, but I did not... Oh, yeah, there it is. Coach Doug's retweeted it. So, yeah. From that standpoint, uh, we've crossed some sort of strange threshold, for that matter. And (laughs) where the fictional coach at Tennessee is uh, retweeting the memorial for one of the legends. I guess outside of uh, Colonel Nealon, Johnny Majors, and Philip Fulmer probably what the three icons or those, the, and then what you put Peyton Manning up there. Is that the fourth? Like, I don't know the Mount Rushmore for Tennessee football, but I imagine that's it. That would be my guess is what Tennessee fans uh, would attest to. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I'm going to see who belongs. I want to see what these folks say. You got me thinking. I wonder if I nailed the Tennessee uh, Mount Rushmore. General Robert Nealon. I think I said Colonel. General. Sorry. Apologize about that. Peyton Manning. Johnny Majors. And they got Reggie White. So no Phil Fulmer. They got Reggie White. That's That's a good take. Hot take. Hot take alert. You know, Reggie White is a player, you know, when you, when we talk about college sports, I know that there was a a piece that was running, I think on ESPN recently on Lin Bias and Lin Bias is one of those players who when there is a Michael Jordan reference made, people say this guy would have been better than Michael Jordan. Now, Woody, I don't know. But Lynn Bias, who was the second pick of the first round in the 1986 NBA draft and died tragically just thereafter from a drug overdose, is a kid that a lot of people think would have been, you know, a huge name in the NBA. Some have said maybe greater than Michael Jordan. But you'd never know. Because of his passing. Well. ESPN, I know, was doing a little series. I think it was called maybe Living with Lenny Bias or uh, something along those lines. I I really didn't get to see it yet. I, I saw that it was on, and I thought, ooh, maybe I should check that out. Len Bias night. ESPN to honor Len Bias. That was Tuesday. I didn't watch it. I hope I can get a chance to see some of it. But Reggie White, Lynn Bias, Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker, Lawrence Taylor, these are players that I wish I had a chance to see more of collegiately because I look, as much as you watch a guy play professionally. I think when your love is college athletics, you wish you had more footage. You wish you had more to check out and time to check it out too. That's the other thing. You know, time and footage are two two factors into why we don't get a chance to see some of this stuff more often. But I think that those are guys, you know, when I when I look back on it. Patrick Ewing there was for some reason I had a fascination with Patrick Ewing when I was a kid uh, from his time at Georgetown to his time with the New York Knicks And I think about how I didn't really get to appreciate and watch and enjoy those Patrick Ewing teams with with, with Georgetown. I re- it was so much so that when Alonzo Mourning and Dikembe Matumbo were playing at Georgetown, I was really invested in them because of what a guy like Pat Ewing had sort of put in my head about what Georgetown basketball looked like. I mean, even the development of a guy like, at the time, Akeem, now Hakim Elijahwan, Akeem, when he was playing with the Houston Cougars, with Clyde Drexler, that team that was defeated by North Carolina State and Jim Valvano's squad. That's another team that, or a player, that I wish I saw more college footage. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Lou Sindor. Oh, to see more of his footage back in the day. That's the one thing we're collecting now that I don't think we can really appreciate In this moment, but down the line we will. The amount of footage and video of the legendary players playing the game. And the countless hours that you can go back on. Text us 803-450-0086. 803-450-0086. Who is that former player? Not that you want to go back and shake hands with or meet or watch play in the arena. But who is somebody that maybe professionally you followed, but you didn't watch much of them collegiately? I mean, as much as I like Deion Sanders, and I would argue, I would argue that Deion Sanders was one of my favorite players of all time. And I only watched him play a handful of games collegiately because I was too young to really be that invested. There are plenty of other players out there, but who is your guy? Who is somebody you wish, collegiately, you could go back and watch more of their career because the footage just, A, doesn't exist, or B, they played before. There was enough of it out there anyway. You know, Herschel Walker, they did that great series on SEC Story. Saw some great clips of him that maybe you'd never seen. Uh, Bo Jackson, I think, continues to be a name that that sort of carries a Superman-like vibe from what he did in in multiple sports, both collegiately and professionally. And and maybe for some of you, it's baseball guys too. I mean, the weird thing about baseball guys is the the greats a lot of times didn't play college. So unlike the other two major professional sports in our country, the NBA and the in the NFL, there can be a disconnect between fan bases from players because you don't have a connection to a guy that played collegially. Like Nomar garcia Par played at Georgia Tech. There are probably a lot of Tech fans that love Nomar. But the majority of great players and players that end up making it into the Hall of Fame, etc. And I don't know what this percentage is, so I I may be absolutely wrong on this. But the majority of players who are that good don't play collegiately. 803-450-0086. Again, text us that player that you wish you saw more of collegiately. You wish you had more film. You got time on your hands. YouTube's a powerful tool, but maybe still you you can't see it. You can't get enough of it. I mean, if I go into like the Clemson archives and, and, and start talking about those guys too, You know, on the basketball front, it's fairly slim pickings in terms of what I really would like to invest in because of the game and how much it's changed since guys like Horace Grant were playing. But I'd like to see what Horace Grant looked like. I'd like to see what a guy like Horace Grant was like by comparison to his contemporaries in the ACC when he was in Tigertown. On the gridiron, I watched a lot of those games back in the day, but I can't tell you that as popular as William the Refrigerator Perry was in my mind, that I saw him play enough to go, yeah, you know what, I watch William Perry play all the time. I certainly talked about him a lot when I was 7 or 8. When my sister got his autograph at the Roses in in Aiken, I thought it was a big deal. It was a much bigger deal than my buddy Landell, the Nature Boy Buddy Landell autograph she got for me at the Roses in Aiken. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I don't know if they both came from roses. I'm pretty sure. Maybe it could have been my other sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your sisters run it. But here's what's crazy about the Buddy Landell thing who was kind of a play on the Nature Boy Ric Flair, if you recall. How did my sister even know who that was? (laughs) It's not like Buddy Landell's a big famous wrestler. I mean, he was moderately famous. Wasn't the Nature Boy Ric Flair, by the way. But yeah, who are those great players? 803-450-0086 that you wish you just had more time, more footage, more accessibility to see in their great highlights. Reggie White's name came up. We were talking about the Mount Rushmore at Tennessee based off the fact that Johnny Majors had passed away. It got me thinking about, you know, I didn't see Reggie White play much collegiately. You start going up to the next level and you're thinking about stars like Joe Montana. There's another name, Joe Montana. I didn't see a lot of Joe Montana, Notre Dame stuff. I didn't see a lot of Dan Marino at Pittsburgh stuff. I mean, there are great names professionally. NFL Hall of Famers who I could probably tell you I hadn't seen them play one collegiate snap. But there are some I'd really like to. Who is that person for you? Let us know. 803-450-0086. Clemson Sports Talk on a Wednesday. The show that shakes us out. My number one fan, Rocky, in the house. Got a text from my wife a few minutes because she's like, do you have Rocky? Of course I have Rocky. <laughs> Rocky is the number one fan. Every day, man. About 3.30. We got three cats here. Uh, Rocky, Malibu, and Ali. And the kitten is Rocky. He's probably about two years old. But Every day, man, three thirty, we get ready to roll, and in he saunters <laughs> to hang out. So, old Rocky, number one fan of the show. No offense to any other number one fans out there. Rocky's the number one feline fan. Is that the right? Is that the right term? Eight. Hey, <laughs> So <laughs> some say no. He is the actual number one fan, Swati, <laughs> He's your only fan. I can hear I can hear you guys now. Eight zero three uh four five oh uh zero zero eighty six eight oh three four five oh double oh eighty six. So here we are on a Wednesday and Man, the circumstances of of this whole show today, uh, out of the gates with our conversations about uh, having to be a little bit uncomfortable uh, up until, you know, the, the, the other players that you would have liked to see, the other players that you would have liked to have seen play collegiately that you, you didn't get a chance to really appreciate because of your age or access, you know, got me – and really thinking through the break. And a couple of other names that, that came to my mind. Jim Brown. Jim Brown. I mean, we're talking about activism today. Jim Brown was a huge activist. But Jim Brown is a guy who at Syracuse was an All-American and was maybe, some people say, better at lacrosse, some people believe, than maybe football. He was indebted in the Lacrosse Hall of Fame in 1983. Many consider him to be perhaps, quote, the greatest to ever play lacrosse. Jim Brown once reportedly said I'd rather play across six days a week in football on the seventh. But Jim Brown is a guy who, yeah, there's film out there of him. But he wouldn't fit that criteria for me. You know, a couple of others I thought about were guys that when I go back to like Tech Mobile. Like Eric Dickerson at SMU, I couldn't tell you a play. I couldn't tell you a play that he ran at SMU. Marcus Allen at Southern Cal, couldn't tell you a play. Don't remember a single Marcus Allen run at Southern Cal. Maybe that's my own fault, but the reality is I'm just a little too young. And for some of you, that you know what's amazing about this is And this is where we're really going to draw a line here in how different it's going to be in 20 or 30 years. So I'm 43. If you're 63 today, man, there are some players that you would have liked to have seen play collegiately that you never saw a play of that person in your life. And you might not be able to because there might not be footage of it. Like I know, I could probably throw in the old Google machine and come up with some runs by Marcus Allen. You go back really far, you know. If that player that you wanted to see play, maybe tomorrow we'll talk with Tim Bray about this. Like who who are some guys that he maybe looked up to or watched or followed, but didn't really get a chance to see them play at the collegiate level. I mean, there are a lot of guys we never get to see at the high school level, but at the collegiate level. Those are just a couple. Now, most of those are running backs, which is interesting because what that shows you is how much more valued running backs were during that era of the sport. It was all running backs. I mean, you weren't clamoring to see the quarterbacks. They weren't completing any passes. I mean, we got plenty of footage of Randy Moss at Marshall. But boy, I would have liked to have seen what Randy Moss looked like at Florida State or Notre Dame, where he had chances to play. Another one, that I can honestly say I've never seen play a collegiate snap. Jerry Rice can honestly say I've never seen play a collegiate snap. Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice would be an interesting case study on this same thing. He's a kid that went to Mississippi Valley State. came out of there in 1985, so theres got there's got to be footage. I'm sure you could Google it and find him in, in, in college. But you start going a little bit further back, a little bit further back, and you would run into some great names who you can't find a highlight for from college. Man, Jerry Rice back in the day when he was with the San Francisco 49ers for what, like 15 seasons, was unbelievable. Those 49er teams in the 1980s coached by Bill Walsh? Puh. Bruh. Those teams. Roger Craig. See, you got me thinking. Now you guys got my brain churning here. I think Roger Craig played at Nebraska. I think he played in that national championship game against Clemson. Roger Craig would be another guy who I can't tell you I've seen a ton of footage of. But, you know, the the names on these lists, and right now I'm really a little bit football-centric. Because for me, the game, while it has changed a lot, still there's a lot that translates. The NBA is just so different. With the size and the speed and the strength of the guys in this era. But the football players, I really like that topic. we hit a break. Stay with us. (music) Clemson Sports Talk, Wednesday afternoon. The show that shakes the Southland. Lawton Swan, 803. 450 0086, 803 450 0086. Tiger2Deep says, This is the number one Clemson talk show. You know it, brother. Glad to have you back in the fold with us. Lots of conversations going on across the uh, landscape of sports. And man, uh, just, you know what I really love about a day like today where we get to go back is and think about some of those historical moments, it, it really has helped me press pause to a degree on the whole conceptual design uh, behind not... Uh, so, like, if you imagine sports as a, a bucket, this bucket is completely filled, and every day it was just overflowing with new stuff, new stuff, new stuff. And you, you, you couldn't hardly keep up with the news cycle. And so rarely do we have the opportunity to reflect like that. Rarely do we have the opportunity to think about who are these players? Who are these guys that you would like to see? And with ESPN celebrating Lynn Bias last night, I got it. I actually got a little bit angry at myself during the break thinking about the fact that, for crying out loud, they had this thing on. I knew about it, and I didn't tune in to watch it. And if it's not on something I can DVR or catch, I may have missed an opportunity to see a guy that I otherwise (laughs) am sitting here saying I would have liked to have seen. Think about that. I mean, that's the thing. So many great names that I didn't get to see play collegiately. Head over to ClemsonSportsTalk.com right now. You can read Alex's Alex Wisnet's article, My Life in Sports, Tony Stockman. We had Tony on the show not all that long ago. And Tony offers a unique perspective, uh, not during this interview, but uh, from the standpoint of what we're dealing with right now in our country. Because Tony is a young man who played basketball at Clemson, played basketball at Ohio State, but posted this to his Facebook page and said, I have a black father and a white mother, but I look white, and that has always put me in some interesting situations in my lifetime. And he said he would go on to tell you, um, you know, tell more about those another day on his Facebook page. And, you know, I just think it's interesting because of the perspective that he has. I mean, he, you know, he, Skin tone wise, looks, you know, most people would assume that Tony Stoppman is a white guy. A lot of people think he is white until you know they find out otherwise that that you know he has a a black father and a, a mother and and he I believe would tell you he considers himself to be a black athlete and so he sees both sides of things and we've got that interview that we did with him up over on the website right now and I, I really wish we had had a chance to do that interview kind of after. You know, all of this stuff is uh, taking place and broken out, etc. cetera. 803-450-0086. That's your text line. Can't wait to uh, hear from you and find out some of those names that you love uh, anymore. And so from, you know, that you love that you didn't get to see and that you would like to be able to see. And if you had a chance to go out and watch these guys play collegiately, who would they be? I think I've pretty much covered the gamut of the ones that I would have liked. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Now, of course, the news came out earlier in the week. Clemson Tigers will enter the 2020 season. Minus Justin Ross. We talked about that a little bit on Monday and at great length yesterday. I think from the standpoint of Clemson, you have to be excited about the fact that you are in a position where you can lose perhaps, well no, I'm not going to say perhaps, You can lose your best wide receiver and still be in position to compete and play for the national championship. William Qualkenbush, who joins this program on Mondays, tweeted yesterday with the news about Justin Ross's surgery. Clemson's top two wide receivers from 2019 will not play in 2020. Of course, T. Higgins being the other that left early. He said the other teams from the Dabo-Sweeney era that have either had two of their top wide receivers, or excuse me, that lost their top two wide receivers from the previous seasons were 2010, 2014, and 2017. He says not the best offenses we've seen. He says, now it's not that simple. 2010, Kyle Parker got hurt. That team, by the way, finished 6-7. 2014 was the quarterback transition from Cole Stout to Deshaun Watson. That's Watson's freshman year. Uh, I believe that team finished 10-3, if my memory serves me correctly. And then the uh, 2017 season, which was the quarterback transition to Kelly Bryant, that team finished 12-2. and He says, you know, it still seems like worth rushing. And a response came in that said, you know, Clemson also lost his reading rusher from that returning season in each of those three seasons as well. Spiller, they lost in 09. Roderick McDowell, they lost in 2013. And Wayne Gallman lost in 2016. He said, so not the case this year. And that's a great point. Clemson lost a lot in all of those seasons on the offensive side of the ball. But what this team has that those teams didn't, I don't think you can compare Kyle Parker, Cole Stout out of the gate, or Kelly Bryant to Trevor Lawrence. And then each of those teams also lost their star running back, and Clemson's got the best running back in the country coming back this year with Travis Etienne. So I would not expect, even in the absence of a guy like Justin Ross, a huge drop-off because of the fact that you've got so much stability in the run game. Not to mention a complimentary back to Travis Etienne, like Lynn J. Dixon, right there on the sidelines as well. We come back to put a bow on the show that shakes the Southland right after this. What have you done for me lately? It's a fair question. Just don't lose sight of the bigger picture. Don't forget history. Lucky for us at Clemson, the answer to the questions, What have you done for me lately? And What have you done always? Are the same. Final segment on the Wednesday. <laughs> I couldn't get the the st- no matter. Okay, I used to think it was a mouse issue. Now it is. I it's. I mean, a battery issue. It's got to be a mouse issue. This stinking mouse over here. I <laughs> tried to move it. Wouldn't move. Couldn't get to the buttons. <laughs> I need a touch screen. Could someone please send me a touch screen? FSU fan chimes in. He says, hey, this is FSU, Chris. He said, I wish I had a chance to see Barry Sanders play at Oklahoma State. Ah, that's a good one. Looks like, hold up. FSU fan, he called? Give me a second. Hold on. Let me double check this real quick. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, FSU fan... Did indeed call and leave us a message. You know what? We haven't played a we haven't played a message here on the show in a while, and I'm 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 getting tired of not <laughs> getting tired of not hearing from some of our loyal listeners. So, doggone it, FSU fan Chris, I'm gonna make this happen live on the air because that's the way I roll. I'm gonna get this done. All right, so Chris left us a message, and you can do that too, 803-450-0086. I thought it was a text message, so I've spoiled half of Chris's uh, comments, which I feel bad about, but that's all right, Chris. I saved enough of it uh, that we'll be good to go to go ahead and rock and roll with this audio. But you can call and leave us a message. That's one of the great things about the way we've got this thing set up now. You call in, leave us a message, and we'll get it on the air. Maybe more of you are doing this, but I, I get a text thread. So that's throwing me off. And so I thought that maybe these were uh, text messages that were coming in. But it looks like they might be voicemails from time to time. All right, so FSU Chris called just a few minutes ago. Uh, here's what he had to say. Yes, this is um, FSU Chris, FSU fan. Um, I wish I could have got a, a chance to see various Sanders play at Oklahoma State and then I wish I um, could have got to see um, Deion Sanders at Florida State. I only did, I became a Florida State fan in, in the '92 and '93 season, so I never, I never did see um, um, Deion Deion Sanders play. So um, those those are the two guys you know that I wish I could have got to, um, to see play you know um, their collegiate in, in their um, collegiate years. Uh, thank thank you, go nose, and uh, love the show. FSU, Chris, buddy, more of that, please. I need more calls like that. Uh, we've had a few people that have done that since we've given you that option during this COVID 19 deal. It's a great way to participate, honestly. I yeah, Barry Sanders. You you know who else played at Oklahoma? Thurman Thomas. But Barry Sanders would be one. Dion, I, I saw, you know, obviously my, my biggest memories of Dion is that game at Clemson and Death Valley. I was at that game. The punt Ruski game. Deion had a punt return. I fell in love with Deion Sanders just from the standpoint of his mentality on the defensive side of the ball, right? And so those are two guys. But one that, when you said Barry Sanders, came to light for me was Emmett Smith at Florida. I can't tell you one single play I've ever seen of Emmett Smith at Florida. I saw Emory Smith at Clemson, his brother, but not Emmett at Florida. And I can't imagine that Emmett Smith wasn't amazing. It, but I can't tell you if he had a thousand yard season. I mean, that's like, that's, like that gives you an idea. Maybe uh, you're going, well, Swanee, you just need to know about college football. Because of course, Emmett Smith had 3,000 yard seasons at Florida. I didn't know it. I can't picture a single Emmett Smith touchdown run. But what kids of tomorrow will be able to see and look back on. Holy cow. I mean, if a kid in 20 years is like, man, I really wish I could see some Trevor Lawrence highlights. Dude, you can watch all the games. (laughs) You're going to be able to see all the highlights. It's going to be out there. That type of stuff, at a certain point, will be so readily available. Now, we'll always be lacking for the really older guys. We'll always be lacking from that standpoint. But when it comes down to the future? And, and depending on how far back these kids want to reach. I mean, the other day, my son looked at me and said, I don't know, Dad. I wasn't born in the 1900s. Like, <laughs> what? Talk about stomping on some toes. I wasn't born in the 1900s, you caveman. <laughs> Ungabunga, me neither. Ah. <laughs> uh, kids, man, but they got so much access and they're going to have so much access and players that they want to see that they don't even know about today. Like a kid, you know, if my son growing up falls in love with a player that plays at another school while he's playing in the NFL and he says, man, I want to go see, like Russell Wilson. My son loves Russell Wilson. He's got the fat end in his room. He's never seen Russell Wilson take a snap at North Carolina state that I'm aware of, or Wisconsin that I'm aware of. But you could probably go out and find that stuff right now. And my son's old enough to really dive in and do it. To find players he loves, he'll be able to do it. You and I haven't always had that luxury. You know, Wilt Chamberlain at Kansas? Find me the footage. There can't be too much out there. Lou Alcindor in high school at Power Memorial in New York City? Can't be much out there. But I'd love to get my hands on it. And kids in the future will have plenty of access to their favorite players we got to get out of here happy wednesday until tomorrow as always y'all take care now and go tigers